Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Penny Lane Podcast, where we interview J-Rock, you can find him on Discord, about the Grateful Dead, fish, and trading, and the intersection of all those things. I really enjoyed hearing his story this week, and I think that you will also find it very interesting. Enjoy! to remind you and our new listeners to the Penny Lane podcast who we have here and how we're related. So my name is Blaine. I'm one of the hosts of the podcast. Today we're missing Justin. Want want business trip. We've got my sister Kate here. Say hi Kate. Hi guys. And of course my husband Jimmy. Hello. And joining us today is our friend Justin. Say hi Justin. Hello. Now, I know that's confusing, the two Justin thing, but we just got to go with it. Is anybody on this call a financial advisor? Absolutely not. I'm certainly not. No. Cool. Please don't listen to anything we have to say about trading because it's probably wrong. Let's get into it. Justin, I invited you to be on the podcast today because I liked the logo that you use in Discord. Yeah. Could you tell everyone what the logo is? It's a steal your face logo with uh, the American flag, I think, right? Um, yeah, that's right. Just a normal American right. flag in that one. Jimmy and I have hey, quite yeah. the history with the steal your face logo um, because we went to a show maybe two or three years ago and on lot i found this hat that i had to have and i, I was not a hot a hat wearer at the time it was like a trucker hat with a steal your face logo had to have it wore it the whole concert fell deeply in love with it and then after the concert lost it <laughs> at a bar and it turns out that that hat is irreplaceable so i spent like two weeks calling the bar like, I have to have this hat. And uh, finally, after two weeks of bugging them, it turns out that they did have my hat, just the bartender wanted it. <laughs> wow, that's a cool story. Yeah. <laughs> did they give it back to you? Yeah, I went down. She was so pissed, Great. but she gave it, it back. <laughs> it's like a, was it like a custom? No. Like a, a custom thing? Or? No, it was like a screen printed trucker hat. Like, it, I just could not find it anywhere on the internet. So to me, it was very precious, but I'm sure it costs like four cents to make. <laughs> I now, It was a perfect shade of green. Like now that I know how rare they are, I have several like embroidered, much nicer ones, but really, oh, oh, oh. And the funny part is Jimmy kept calling the bar for me being like, it's a steal your face hat. And they were like, I, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. For those of you who don't know what it means, Justin, please describe to us what it looks like. Uh, that's a good question, but it's a, it's a skull with a lightning bolt, usually red and blue, for the Grateful Dead, the band. You guys all fans? Uh, I'm probably the outlier. 
I am the least musical in the family, I would say. But I have been. I fully enjoyed it. And I didn't know it was called Steal Your Face, but I knew exactly what you were talking about when you described it. So, Jimmy is the the biggest Grateful Dead fan. I was a reluctant Grateful Dead fan, but now that my boy John Mayer's in the band, I'm all in. Like, the biggest fan. Uh, Jimmy, can you please tell us the story of the driving the car and you listen to all the tapes, how you became a fan? I always like that story. Sure, I'd love to. I thought you, I, I was wondering if you would uh, want me to describe that. So after college, I got really into fish in college. And after college, I moved to Jackson Hole and had my daily commute out to work. It was about 25 minutes each way. And I decided that my next conquest would be to get into the Grateful Dead. So I thought the only sensible way to do that was to buy the entirety of the Dick's Pick series, all 36 of them at the time. And uh, this was pre, uh, I guess, iPods. Um, Or maybe not. Maybe it wasn't. It was 2008. So maybe they had just come out. But I got all the CDs. They came in this giant box. uh, And it it was a lot to get through. It took me about a year. And I listened to all of it. And by the end, I felt uh, quite familiar with the band. And that was kind of my story. It was a great way to get into them. Um, And then now, Blaine, you said you really got into them when John Mayer joined. But we went to the Fairly Well shows in Chicago and you liked those. Right. And Justin and I have had a side conversation about this, that I prefer John Mayer over Trey with the dead. Mm -hmm. But I know that hurts you. So I wasn't going to say it. (laughs) I think it's okay. I mean, a controversial statement. Well, Jimmy's first love is fish. First, last, and forever love is fish. So, Fare Thee Well was this huge concert in Chicago over Fourth of July. And it was, I'm going to explain this wrong. It was like the last time all the living members were going to be together, but Jerry is dead. God rest his soul. So, they had, so they had Trey step in as Jerry. And it, it was like a mind explosion for Jimmy because it was his two worlds. Like it was like the best thing that ever happened to him. Minus maybe me and the kids. Um, (laughs) And so we did go to fairly well. However, I, um, that was not, that was not when I fell in love with the band. I fell in love with the band when I was pregnant and I took Jimmy to the, the dead and company show here in Atlanta And I was like very pregnant and not feeling well. And listening to John Mayer rip that sweet, sweet guitar, I was like, that's it. That's for me. And then I just like became obsessed. Yeah, I like like the the Althea. They they do Althea really well together. Jimmy? For sure. Do you want to tell us the story of John Mayer and Althea, my favorite story? I bet you know it better than I do, honestly. I... Justin, I am going to ask you some questions, but first, I'm wait, Justin, do you know the story about John Mayer and Althea? Uh, no, I don't. I, I, I listen to them. I like them on YouTube a lot. Like, I never watched too many uh, dead shows. Like, I'm talking about when they're they're called The Dead after Jerry died or, mm-hmm. or listened to them too much. I prefer the old tapes, but ever since uh, Dead and Company, it's been, they've been doing really well. I like it a lot. The... Althea is like very important to the part of the story where John comes into it because John 
had nodules on his vocal cords and he couldn't speak for, let's say a year. I don't know if that's true or not. And he moved to Big Sky with his dog to take like a year of silence. And during that year, he heard Althea and he had never liked the dead before, but it just came on, I guess, on a mix, this Althea. And he said it was the only song he's ever heard that he couldn't like see the notes in his mind and know immediately how to play it. And it was that experience that made him interested in the dead. Oh, that's cool. And um, what, what instrument do you play? Me? No, no, um, Jimmy, I'm sorry. Oh, Jimmy doesn't. Oh, me? Totally talentless. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I listen, I listen a lot, but can't contribute anything. <laughs> well, I don't understand. So who, oh, you're talking about John Mayer. I'm talking he about John Mayer. I'm talking about oh, John Mayer. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Correct. <laughs> Some, sometimes Blaine talks about John Mayer as if she knows him or if, if as if it's her husband. But There's it's a lot <laughs> of like chest grabbing and stuff when I'm talking about him because I feel we're deeply connected. <laughs> So I understand the confusion. Um, no, he's great. He's great. I love him. He's doing great. He's just, just the best. Um, Justin, do you want to tell us about your dead relationship? Oh, um, I just, I liked them forever. I think I got into them and fish at the same time. Actually, I always liked both. Well, actually when I was like, I think about like 13, something in there, somewhere around that age, I, I, my friend introduced me to them and I liked the dead first. Like I got into the dead heavier than the fish. And then eventually I got into the, the, the fish kind of silly way of, I like fish a lot, but it's like, uh, it's harder to get into. I'm surprised. I mean, I know it happens all the time. Lots of people start out liking fish first, but it is kind of silly music. Agreed. Justin, I have to uh, publicly thank you. I don't think Jimmy has had this kind of opportunity since COVID started to really <laughs> tell the world about his love for fish. <laughs> I'm just, you're welcome for bringing everyone together. So <laughs> Justin, you sound like you're from Boston. Are you from Boston? No, but um, I'm from New York originally. Um, like Westchester, it's a little outside the city, but not too far. But um, I've lived in Chicago, um, New Hampshire. I went to University of New Hampshire. And uh, so I think that affects it. Sure. So what's the, what's the like hippie fish dead scene like in New York? What was it like when you got into it? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, so I didn't, I didn't really like, I mean, I've, I've talked to people and kind of made friends with people through shows and stuff, but I wouldn't say I was really in the scene. It was like high school friends that I would go to shows with usually. Um, but I, I mean, so right now I'm living in Peru. So last show I went to was uh, Assembly of Dust when I was in New York. Have you guys ever heard of them? Or? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's my favorite band. I like them a lot. Nice. Have you been to the uh, the Capitol Theater since they redid it? Yeah, that's so crazy because I lived in uh, I lived like ten minutes from there my whole life and was closed the whole time. So yeah, I, I still now it's like been. this palace of various jam music, right? It would have been perfect as a kid to have been able to have go there because we were always going to the city for shows and getting into trouble and kind of dangerous when you got to take the train home. But uh, totally, Justin, have you ever been to um, MSG New Year's? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. A couple times, I want to say two or three times. My memory is really terrible, but I, I can't give you the year. But when they were on top of the bus, I was there for that one. They were like on a bus. Well, that's a good one. Jimmy, were you there? 2013. 2013, it was not. No, we always, we went to the wrong ones, honey, unfortunately. Unfortunately. For those of you who are here for stocks and don't know what we're talking about, we are going to get into stocks, but currently we're talking about the band Fish, P-H-I-S-H, who does a new year run at Madison Square Garden. So just, anyway, go ahead. The 2010 one's really good with that, the ghosts and all that stuff. And then 2013, the year time out is really good. We went to 2011 and 2012. Shoot. Which were sort of, which I mean, we had a nice time. It was fun. I got I got lucky on the best night of uh, I think I guess it would be 2013. I think we were there on the 29th. I want to say, and it was uh, uh-huh. I ended up listening to the other shows from that run, and I think it was the best one in my opinion. So got lucky there. Nice. I haven't been to nice. probably fish less than ten times. I, I think I'm not sure. Jimmy, were we there that night? We were not. Nope, we didn't go in 2013 because. You were pregnant with Oliver. Huh. Justin, we have a daughter named Quinn, just to like prove our love. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I also went to, um, you probably know this show or have heard of it. I went to the one where Jay-Z came and did a couple songs in Brooklyn. That was my first show I was at that show. I mean, talk about a jackpot. You were there? I was there. Yeah, that was 2004. That was such a funny experience because- all the people working at the venue were like, blah, 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 whatever, this fish band playing here. <laughs> and then Jay-Z comes out and they're like, wait, like Jay-Z, Jay-Z? And sure enough, did you know, there he was. Did Jay-Z do the, the New York song? No, they did uh, Big Pimpin'. Oh, nice. Okay. What's the New York uh, song? Empire State of Mind. Empire. I don't think that was around yet, honestly. Well, he should have. Um, he should have dropped it that night. He should have come up with it. <laughs> it was an amusing collaboration, for sure. That's badass. Good times. Well, that, that was the first show I ever went to. But yeah, I love love going to concerts and stuff. So, Justin, how many dead shows have you been to? You can all iterations of the dead. We'll take. Phil and friends. I don't care what you've been to. Just give me a, give me an approximate number. I want to say five or less, but that's, and that's um, only like Phil and friends and dark star orchestra. And um, yeah, that's all. I haven't been to that many. And I, I mean, I've seen covers of them. Like I've seen lots of bands cover them, of course, but yeah, it's just a little, a little late for the real dead, of course, but Jimmy, what was the um, iteration of The Dead that I had such a problem with? You did not like the the J-Rad. No. Jerusalem's no, is almost no, dead. No, J-Rad was fine. It was before that. It was right when we met. Oh, further. Yeah. Whew. Not a fan. Yeah. Not a fan. That, yeah. I, I do recall that you, you didn't particularly like that. Justin, what's your... Hit us with your favorite Dead song and your favorite Fish song, just so we can judge you. Oh, I don't know. I would have to think. But um, right now, what am I listening to more? You know, I'm, I'm not actually. I mean, well, what I do now is I'll go on uh, that YouTube account. I don't know if you found this one, Wall of Sound. He's always putting out like uh, tapes that are like really good quality and stuff I haven't heard before. I don't know if uh, a lot of the stuff you can't find on archive.org and whatever, but 
if my favorite of all time, I don't know, but maybe that Eyes of the World. I like that a lot. Great song. Great tune. Um, Good choice. For those listeners who are interested, I will find this YouTube account and I will link it right in our show notes so you can go down and find it. All right, so we've got Eyes of the World. Now give me your favorite fish song. And that's a hard one, too. I, I don't even, uh, off the top of my head, oh, what I was going to say before was recently I'm listening to uh, Twiddle a lot. They get a lot of hate, but I, I, like, I like them a lot. They get I have, so much hate, and I love Twiddle. And I don't, great. like, follow them on Spotify, but Spotify suggests it to me all the time. So I'll hear a song, and I'm like, oh, this is really good. And I'll go down to my, like, Spotify app to see who it is always twiddle like i want to heart it or whatever like play this again they're good i like them a lot yeah do you like mo no i never got into them like i i I won't even recognize the songs twiddle reminds me a little bit of mo and i love mo which also gets a lot of hate from jimmy mostly (laughs) (laughs) jimmy well the thing that i that i like about twiddle not knowing them that well is just that it's like a a a vermont scene you know burlington scene we have some friends up there that really really dig all really love the twiddle i'm into it i like Mm -hmm. them i like the whole thing um jimmy while we have a captive audience here why don't you hit us with your favorite dead and fish songs uh favorite dead tune man well, fish, I've thought. Oh God, this is so fish, hard for fish you. Fish is either yeah, this is <laughs> I'm gonna have to edit this out, but it's either it's it's got to be either yem or tweezer on the fish side. On the dead side, I mean, I do really like Althea, um, so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go with with your boy John Mayer and say and say Althea. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, that's good. Kate, are you here? Oh, I'm here, but I don't know that I'm the one to ask. Kate, hit us with any songs you know by either band. Um, well, growing up, because of you, I knew every single word to Farmhouse. Boom. You're welcome. So, You're yeah, totally welcome. Do. So drop the mic. That's my answer. What's up? It, you know, you've been, we've been to enough dead shows. You know. Mm, she can opt out. Yeah, opt to. out. I don't, I don't know names of songs that I like the most that I listen to on my own time. It's just not, it's not my niche. I'm not, I'm terrible at remembering names of songs. And Justin loves, my Justin, not this Justin, loves <laughs> to put me on the spot in the car. It'll be like a, a classic song comes on that I should absolutely know the name of. And he'll go, who sings this? And it's just to make me feel stupid. So, sure. Of course. <laughs> yeah. also, That's my answer. You can know every single word to a song and be like, I don't know the name of this. Exactly. I don't know who sings True. it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to answer just because it's kind of my show. Uh, and I want to. My favorite fish song, hands down, is Karini. Good choice. Because he has a lumpy head. Uh, <laughs> my favorite dead song changes weekly. So I don't know if I can answer that. I really like Mississippi Half Step, though. Great choice. Yeah, I like that. it's Blaine again. I wanted to take one second to recommend Benzinga. It is my favorite place to find news, scanners, stocks that are moving, and intraday trades. 
If you're interested in finding out more about it, please click the link in the show notes. Justin, we are now going to get into your trading. I really want to talk to you about how you're liking the new room and your history with Discord and Twitter. All the I want to know all about that. Yeah, Twitter is great. Um, oh, I, did I, you start on Stock Twits or Twitter? Yeah, Stock Twits, and cool. I think Discord. Discord wasn't even out. Isn't Discord new? I can't. My memory is terrible, but. I don't think Discord was around or no one was using it for stocks, if I could remember correctly, when uh, people were on stock twits. Um, but yeah, I started on stock twits. Not sure how I found that. And then um, now uh, the, I pay most attention to Twitter. Um, I, I use Discord rooms a lot. Like I like to share ideas with people. And um, I like, uh, yeah, I like uh, Brad Mullen's room. That's really nice. Um, but yeah, Twitter is great. So for um, anyone who's a new trader, it's definitely one of the best resources, you know, find someone that, that you like what they're talking about, what kind of information they give you, and then go see who they follow. And then you got just an endless, uh, rabbit hole. So who, um, who do you like on Twitter? Well, that's the thing. I got, uh, I got so many, I got, I fall, I think I'm following like, under 2,000, but over 1,000. I'm not sure exactly how many. I don't follow you on Twitter, but I want to. So after after this, let's Yeah, we'll that. be Twitter friends. First, the, main, the thing I want to uh, base this episode around is sort of like how you can square sort of like hippie culture, which I'm obviously very into, and stock culture because they, it's like seems like oil and water. And it's actually a topic that I find very, very fascinating. So you liked music when you were younger, and then you got into trading. How did you initially get into trading? I uh, originally, I was already in Peru, so I was teaching English. That's what I do here. I teach, or that's what I did when I first got here. And for a long time, I was teaching English as a foreign language. And um, I wanted to you know, find a way to make more money. And I started studying about, I think, Forex, first of all. And um, What's just, Forex? Just, I'm sure I should that's, know. That's um, foreign exchange. So, um, you know, currency pairs. So someone might say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to short the US dollar against the euro. Sure. Yes, I do know what that means. Okay. So you started studying that. Yeah, and I was only studying, and um, I just found different websites and uh, was just doing a lot of reading to see, you know, because uh, with Forex, it's kind of like, it it sounds like gambling, and it's kind of got more of a gambling edge to it than uh, than stocks because you get a lot more leverage for whatever reason. It's It's a lot harder to make money there, and it's a lot more like based on economics. If you're going to take like a fundamental based trade, in my opinion, I mean, people do trade, trade it based on technicals, um, but I actually never got into it. So I don't know why I'm talking about it so much, but um, <laughs> I ended up finding out that you have a uh, Robin Hood. We had Robin Hood sure. and, and different, another broker, um, U-Stock trade. And it was just much, 
cheaper and it, it seemed like a good way to get into trading in general. So um, I went that route and, you know. I think you maybe already said it in the interview. How long have you been trading? Um, about five years, maybe okay. a little less than five years. Was Robinhood around five years ago? Yeah, well, it, it, it was. I, well, if it's if it's less than five years, then that's when I started. I'm not sure, but it was the first um... time. doesn't <laughs> matter. I'm just, I didn't know Robinhood had been around that long. So good to know. So you get on the Robinhood, as I did. I told my story in the very last episode. So scroll back if you're interested. Uh, I also started on the Robinhood. That's very taboo to say in the current market environment, but I'm going to own it. It was on the Robinhood. Well, well, back then it was considered by far the best option if you're um, just because it was free trades. They started the free trading, so the commission everyone, free. Yeah, yeah. So that's the reason why um, trading is free everywhere else. I mean, it was going to happen eventually either way, but um, they they speeded up the, the process by doing it first, and they get they get a lot of hate. And I mean, I guess some of it's warranted, but they're the reason why the commissions are free now everywhere else so do you currently trade on robin hood no no i think the only reason to be on robin hood i think i think it might be the only place where options um trading is free i'm not 100 percent sure but there are people who use it for that but otherwise yes no reason to be there i currently still have a robin hood account i have three accounts i have robin hood thinkorswim td ameritrade and weeble and um i like thinkorswim a lot other than the fact that it crashes at 9.30 every morning, which is kind of nerve-wracking. That's your computer. I hear, I see on the discords, it does crash for other people. Might be my computer. Uh, must be, it must be. Because I'm, I'm, I'm on, a, I've, I use Thinkorswim mainly just for the charting, but I use a lot. I use like a lot of um, windows and stuff. And it's, it's very resource heavy for the computer. I use my Robinhood right now for my crypto trading. Um, also, oh, that's what it's good for too. Yeah. yeah I forgot about yeah. that. So my whole crypto thing is in Robinhood and then I'll do like maybe one or two day trades of a stock if I feel like it's like a quick money making opportunity. But no, anyway. no swinging. Oh, I swing in my Weeble. I have a complicated trading system, <laughs> but I have a different account for all my different things. My Thinkorswim's my day trading, which is my my main, like I'm a day trading girl, but I'm swimming yeah. in the Weeble. But you, you're already consistent, profitable, because that's great if you are. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm not consistently profitable, but... Have you seen that chart that gets circulated around Twitter and stuff that's like you start and then you win. It's like beginner's luck. So that's like the euphoria. And then you have a huge loss and then there's like a straight line and then you go back up. Like if it was a stock chart, that's what I'm saying. So I'm almost even. So I would call it a win. And the fact that I haven't like completely lost my shirt in the last two and a half months, I think I'm a great trader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's all, it's all about progress because um, I was just losing money. I want to say for, it's hard to say exactly in years because I, I lost a lot of money and then I got into paper trading because sure. um, 
So I was being more careful and studying and, you know, doing that, which is great. I recommend that if you're new or um, for any reason, actually paper trading is great. Even if you want to test out a new strategy. Guide but, change, um, is like more than anything that I would just stop trading with real money and paper trade. I'd get, he's like, you'll get the same adrenaline. You'll get the same thing, but like, we won't be, <laughs> we won't be risking our real <laughs> money, but it's not the same for me. I like a real money play. It's definitely not the same, but you might want to consider just also doing the paper trading. Like um, I used to actually write it out on hand uh, by hand, like every trade, because I couldn't figure out. There's different platforms you can use too to, to put it um, that'll track it for you. But um, there's a lot of value to it. Do you track on a platform or you hand write it? Because um, I am looking into some trading journaling sources like i really like trader sync and i so i'm wondering if you use an application for tracking your trades or if you handwrite them or use an excel spreadsheet or i don't i don't track it at this point just because i'm i'm doing a crazy amount of trading really and uh so i just i don't have time to track it but of course my profit and loss is kind of like a track tracking device but the best thing i recommend is trader view i that's what i used to do to make you feel better, I don't track my trades currently. I I did in the beginning, but now I can like do it in my head. So don't feel like you have to do that. I'm just wondering. Yeah, um, I was going to recommend that because um, that's the thing. Even if you're not profitable now, you might want to consider doing this thing. I, I typed in the chat, the trader view, because um, it's free unless you have a lot, a lot of trades. You can like um, say, okay, this trade was... Uh, a momentum trade, for example, and this trade is mean reversion. You know what mean reversion is? No, tell me. It's like um, MoMA. Yeah, I also don't. <laughs> so momentum is like you see something going up and you want to buy it and you want it to keep going up. If sure. you're doing mean reversion, that's kind of like looking for the bottom or looking for the top if you're shorting. So, okay. Looking for reversal. Okay. So I was going to say, if you have different strategies and you say you just want to keep doing momentum, I imagine that's what you guys are. Um, it, it's the most common for beginners that they try to get into momentum strategies. So you could separate in your journal or even through this free website. You know, you just say, okay, this this trade was a momentum. This trade was mean reversion, whatever you're doing. And it's going to tell you, okay, this strategy is profitable and this strategy is not profitable. And it'll tell you like, oh, look, all your trades, um, right during the first 30 minutes of the market are unprofitable. Like you should only trade mm -hmm. after that. So it's, it's great resource. And I did it for a long time, but um, I, I would like to, I couldn't figure out how to get it set up with my broker that my main broker I'm using. So I would be on there if I could, but uh, it's, it's a good idea to check out that website. I recommend it because you might be um, already profitable. I'm going to link it in the show notes. But can you um, define your strategies? Because you have swings and then you have the day trades, but that's already a way to um, separate them. And you could look at it and say, okay, I'm doing better. At least maybe if you're losing money in, on all your strategies, you'd say, I'm losing the least amount of money on this strategy. Let me focus on that. And that might take you there sooner. You know, I think I'm the best at swing trading, but I like day trading the most. So I'm trying to work that out. Yeah. The, the day trading is the hardest because that's it's – the lower the time frame you go, the more random it gets. You were on Stock Twits, then you went to Twitter, 
then you got to Discord. Do you remember how you did that or your first room or anything about that? Yeah. Uh, before before Atlas, there was... Uh... Okay, Atlas. Perfect. I'd love to touch on that. So, But Atlas wasn't your first room? No, no. There was a... There were different ones, like Limitless, I remember. It was named after that movie, the Limitless movie, where they're all taking that drug that makes them, like, really smart. I don't know if you saw that. Nice. That, yeah. was, that was Chart Wars and um, Ultra Call's room before Atlas. No way. And, but now aren't they in Sapphire? Yeah, yeah. so Sa- exactly. Sapphire is Ultra and Chart Wars is mainly in Atlas. Yeah. So I was there. Was There was another one there's... Cam the man, his room was before Atlas too, and then and uh, didn't the like Atlas OGs come from Cam Cam the man's room? I think I think a lot of them were there, yeah. Cool. And before that was um, Ascend trading, but that was paid chat room. So, and were you in all of these at some point? Yeah. Cool. So the benefit of being in a room in your eyes is is what like why do you like why have you been in rooms why why'd you join one just to you know talk to people that have similar interests of course and well to learn originally of course you you want to be able to learn and it's good to be able to follow other people's ideas and maybe they tell you why they like their idea so that's you know however it ends up at um discord or stock twits anywhere in the first place twitter so I like it a lot. For sure. So you were at some other places, but then we could go to Atlas because I was in, I, I am currently in Atlas. And that was my first intro to Discord. Is that fine to start there? Oh, you, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, well, okay. So you're in Atlas. And then what did you like about Atlas? And what did you learn from Atlas? And were you chatting in atlas those are oh yeah yeah um so i used to be on the atlas like scalp team i used to have a Ooh, i like that yeah i used to um have a role there when it was much smaller and now it's like uh it's kind of like a a locked floor where people aren't allowed to talk so I, i used to i used to post more there and then i think um I just uh, stopped posting because I was more focused on myself because at that point in my trading, it was like, um, it was like I had great ideas and I was able to help other people, but I was not following my own rules. So I just had to focus on myself more, making sure I I made the right decisions and everything. So I took a break there and um, I I, I actually don't go there anymore. I mean, I'll I'll watch the the main floor just to see what's getting pumped, you know, what people are talking about because they've got, I don't know how many followers now. I I know it's more than 10,000. So if someone uh, mentions a name, a ticker in the the main floor over there, you know, it's going to cause a lot of volume depending on what they share. I think there's like 200,000 members in Atlas. Was it 200? See, I'm, I'm... so far behind, but I think I knew it was a hundred thousand. I got confused by saying ten thousand. It's two hundred thousand. Yeah. I Jesus. think there's two hundred thousand. <laughs> it's, it's just too many at some point, but but no, there's a lot of good um, educational material there, and um, 
my main thing is I, I want to be in pretty much everything I can as in terms of rooms and knowing who to follow to see what's the, the cause of volume, you know, into a stock, the cause of the movement. Is it because someone's sharing some uh, important information on it or is it just because they're saying they like it, you know, in so many words, uh, it's going to affect how I'm going to trade it. You know, what if I'm in a stock and someone, I, I realize that uh, someone on the Atlas floor said, oh, I'm, I'm going to buy this and it's a day trade. Right. And they go out of their way to say, this is a day trade. That that says to me that I need to sell it as soon as possible and maybe short it. <laughs> Jimmy, actually, can I bring you back in? Sure. You, I really like your perspective on social media and stocks. Could you tell us a little bit about that? I think it's interesting. Just with regard to like how something getting discussed can right. tweak. So my strategy maybe eight months ago was if someone who had a lot of Twitter followers would mention something, I would buy it and then keep it for maybe a minute and sell it. So like that, like truly scalping in a very, <laughs> very short time frame. And I was trying to tell that strategy to Jimmy and he was like, oh, that's so interesting how social media can influence the market in that way. And I, I feel like Atlas does influence the market. And I do think a lot of people use that as a strategy. I don't anymore. But like, Jimmy, from an outside perspective, do you have any thoughts on that? Not particularly. Okay. I mean, for me, at least, being so new, and also I work in social media outside of this podcast, so it's what I know. That's the only place that I know to go for any sort of trading advice, which right. I'm sure is idiotic, but it's like that's where I see that's where I see everything going down as opposed to knowing where else to search it out. So, I mean, it is sort of like this – like. It's influencing in a completely different sense. You're not giving someone a code to swipe up and get 10% off, but you are impacting, I think, a lot of people in how they're trading. Well, especially beginners. The WSB GME yeah, situation was the purest evidence of of that. Right. Yeah. Kate, is that the first time you knew what the stock market was? I I probably like. I mean, obviously, I know what the stock market is, but I never <laughs> right. found it interesting or paid uh-huh. much attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all of a sudden like working in social media that crossed over into my world, and I was like, "What? What is this? What's happening?" To the point where I pulled together a full report on it for our internal social media team at work, which like, which is hysterical that it was it was impacting everyone's lives at that point because everyone knew about it. Like, you had to have lived under a rock. To not have seen it. Totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the first time I was like, oh, it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, I I scalped GME, like just scalping intraday trading um, when it was on the way up. But um, I, I think I didn't touch it after it was like $45 or something. And then I shorted it at um, 200 a, a while ago when it nice. had that. If you look at the chart, it was this. The second big day was up. I shorted 200 down to like my lowest cover was like 115, I think. That's a really good trade. But um, I, I never, 
Yeah, it was one of my best. Cause I got I got the, the top perfectly. If you go back and look, I just brought up the chart to see it. The um, I think it was the twenty fifth or the twenty fourth and after hours. Like I got like a couple of dollars from the top. I mean, that's a hell of a trade. Yeah, because I could just you know, there's so many bags, so many bag holders that it was a. Uh, so I, I do mainly mean reversion stuff, as I was trying to explain before. So it's like if I like something and it keeps going, if I like something for a short and it keeps going up and it keeps going up, then I just like it more and more. So one of the biggest things trading has taught me is that patience can uh, be the most rewarding because people fundamentally haven't liked this thing since it was like $10. I can't even remember how low it was. It was like two dollars at one point, right? So right. fundamentally, there was a there was a case that it 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 should have went to zero when it was like three dollars. So uh, when it's going straight up like a parabolic um, formation, and um, especially there, th this was the better short for me in my opinion because you got all these people that bought like on the way up to five hundred dollars, thinking that uh, it was going to a thousand, right. and now you got the same thing like um, people on. On AMC, there's a, a viral video going around where there's like people that are like 100% sure that AMC is going to $2,000, like at least. And it's just, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen, you know? So, but that's what happens. And so they'll buy it all the way up. And when when it comes down, it like brings them back to reality. And they're just saying, okay, if it goes back up, I'm going to sell, you know? So that's the beginner mindset. So you could take advantage of that shorting. And um, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's it's what keeps the market, uh, keeps it in check to an extent. But at, at some point, you can't control it because, look, GME did the offering. I don't know if you guys know what offerings are, but um, they, they sell more shares. So this company was just 2 or $3 a year back, and now they're selling shares at $170. Um, so that just changes the company. They have all this money now. They, it's so it, it can't go back to two dollars, right? And they can always keep selling shares. So, pretty incredible what people can do through social media and different. And the only reason that was possible was because of the uh, the short. The, everyone was short. That fueled it going up, right? So right. It's a combination of things, of course. But AMC, I mean, it's, how could it go to two thousand? That's that's the craziest thing. I've ever my best trade ever was AMC. It was a Zach Morris trade and it was at, let's say it was 13 and I held it to maybe 19. It happened in 30 minutes. I was driving my daughter to school and it just, it just kept going. Yeah, that was a great idea. <laughs> and there was, there was another, I remember that he wasn't even the first one there. There was another like really big Twitter um, person uh, since like two, since like very low twos. And then of Zach course, Zach was in it. Yeah, no, he was in it from like three, I want to say. I We can fact check that, but he was in it super low. And I think maybe he even, even he was surprised when it went as high as it did. He created the volume. He He's the one who, who made it go. He sent it in originally, but right. I was... Um, yeah, I just had noticed that that um, it was uh, getting attention before that, and his is what sent it because he has like the highest following I think of of anyone talking about uh, any stocks on Twitter. Yeah, consistently at least. 
okay, so you're in Atlas, and then did you find a home between Atlas and Mullins? I'm mostly on a, a private Discord where I talk and share my trades, but I, I like um, Mullins. I, I used to chat with him. So I liked, I've always liked his ideas and the way he explains things. So I'm, I'm happy to be over there and send I like to share what news I think can uh, start some momentum. And- You're so good at news. You're like our Verde, right? <laughs> no, You're so I'm good at news. Well, I've just been doing, so it's, it's a skill that you can pick up. And that's, that's what I recommend people do. That's a good thing to learn about because I'm sure you've heard of algorithms and everything like that. Sure. And they can try to write some code that tells it tells the algorithm to buy when it thinks the news is going to affect the stock. They think it's good news, but it's never going to be as good as a person who can say, okay, in this market, this news is affecting this stock and you're able to analyze the stock, analyze the chart. So you, you have, in my opinion, you can't just do a technical analysis. You have to try to understand news. And the best way to, to get good at that is just reading the news every day, read the news of what um, caused the biggest moves in terms of, um, you know, the percent change. So I do try to do that every day and see how it affects it. And um, people who end up um, understanding it the best, they're going to track. So they're going to say, oh, today was um, some news of a deal with NASA. And uh, they got a contract with NASA. And so they make someone that you're going to track in an Excel or whatever, even just in a, on pen and paper and just say, oh, this stock had a, hit a high of day of 300% after it had a news of a contract with NASA. And um, to be able to go back and see, okay, look at all these, what have all these contract wins been doing? How big was the contract? How many years? Whatever, if that's included. And um, you, have to, you have to be able to look at it in a way more than just saying, oh, I like the chart, in my opinion. I feel like recently news stocks have not been running in the same way, right? Like earlier this year, you could have news that was just a fluff PR and it would run 100%. Like obviously things aren't running 100%, but I've had to switch my strategy to more looking at the chart and less news. That's actually a good point too, because it's it's never 100% one way or the other. But the thing is, I noticed that with this recent sell-off in the, the microcaps, any news, no matter how you read it, unless it was a serious news, because almost all of it is fluff. I mean, every time it, you have some news of a contract, there's never the terms. What was contract. that fluff we got this morning? Today is April 28th. I feel like we got some Kern fluff this morning, right? Yeah, so um, people, so it was, they put out this PR, which it kind of makes sense for their business because they in theory, make money as as long as the uh, cannabis sector is growing, Kern is going to make more money in theory. Right. But yeah, people read it as having some direct effect on their business, but it was actually that, uh, you know, it's just better for the industry overall. So, I mean, which is kind of a weird thing to PR because then you're going to say, okay, why are they spending money to PR this, you know? Right. It's, that's kind of worse than if they actually had something real significantly happening with their business. So. Okay, so I have a question for you. So Tilray ran really hard today. And Kern it's probably off that, yeah. Because Tilray actually grows weed. Kern doesn't grow any. But Kern, Kern... released the PR first. But is Yeah, because so their, their cannabis sector 
their cannabis sector because, but their technology, they have no, they don't grow anything. So it could be, it's indirectly good for their business. Well, there's no way that that Kern PR could have sparked Tilray, right? Because Tilray is much bigger and isn't it a heavier stock? No, no, it could. It could because the news is is macroeconomic because it's about the news that Kern released. I don't have the headline in front of me. It was about, if I remember correctly, it was like saying, oh, that the, the best day uh, for cannabis sales, for legal cannabis sales ever was 420. Four, I think. Yes, that was it. That was it. So that's and good they, for people. Who, they quoted like the entire cannabis sales. It wasn't like Kern sales, right? Kern Kern doesn't have any sales of, of cannabis because they don't they don't grow any cannabis. They they are purely technology. Um, Kern's so. like kind of sketchy to me. They're like <laughs> they're just like releasing these PR. I don't know. Kern's weird. Yeah, well, that's I mean, a lot of the times they'll hire outside of their business in order to get someone else to write the PR for them. Um, it's very common with penny stocks. So, yeah, might have just been a bad decision. But, I mean, it, it does, it, it would affect them indirectly. And if the whole um, cannabis sector starts moving off of that, that data, which is probably available somewhere else as well, but it brought eyes to it, then um, Kern should get a little move off of that as well. Because you would imagine they're... I feel like the weed sector is sort of desperate right now for news. Like 420, we didn't have the move we were hoping for. So it does seem like any kind of spark. It's been a while since we've had a weed run. Yeah, it's just, in my opinion, it's not a it's not a good business. I mean, growing weed and selling it is a good business if it's illegal. I don't know if you have any experience, but that's a good way to make, that's a good way to make money if it's if it's illegal. <laughs> But now that it's legal, that's like selling dirt, in my opinion. I don't know. Sure. Just so I don't have any experience growing illegal weed. <laughs> that's my favorite moment of the podcast. So yeah, that was incredibly well framed. so much. <laughs> that was wonderful. Anyway, go on. It's just not, it's not a good business. Um, there's, of course, there's ways that these companies can um, profit. Otherwise, like if you see SNDL, their business Let's is selling. Let's talk about SNDL because also SNDL was a Zach Morris play and I lost a lot of money on that play. So hit it. I think Tell that's, you think. But, but isn't that your fault? Because didn't it go up a lot from his? It's absolutely my fault. <laughs> yeah, because I remember he was calling it when it was low. I don't. I think it was under a dollar still, so. <laughs> Absolutely was. And then I got bored because I told you early in the interview, I like the day trade. So <laughs> I was like, it's just not moving fast enough. So yeah, that's where the, that's where the fundamentals matter because it's their business is to sell shares. If, if you um, look into the secondary offerings that they do, they've made so much money by selling shares. I've never seen, they, they have the record for for most um, shares traded in a day, this they, they did two billion first. S and D L does. Yeah, because they they're just they they're selling a crazy amount of shares, and this was I guess it was around the same time when this phenomenon was happening when retail was just buying up every stock under a dollar, no matter what, and there was almost no stocks under a dollar. Right. And it was kind of coinciding with this little weed bounce, just because everything sold off so hard, and so. 
the main point is their business now is to sell shares. They just sell billions of shares and uh, they make a lot of money doing that, but they don't make money selling weed. <laughs> well, that seems kind of sketchy. Um, yeah, it's do you have any, speaking of the dead and the whole scene, do you have any thoughts on psychedelics? Because there's been some psychedelics plays recently, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, the new Uplist. Um, I think I had a good day, right? MNMD, that's a... Uh... I don't know. I don't, tr I trade weed stocks. I don't trade psychedelics. But if you know, I'd love to hear. Are you only trading weed stocks? No, 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 no. Uh, I just have a, I just, I like a weed stock. I feel like I know, basically, I trade Kern, Tilray, and SNDL. And is it GRWG? Oh, that's the, that's the only good one, isn't it? It's like uh, Grow Generation is... Yes. Um... I, it's so much funny off GRWG. That's my favorite weed stock. So I have, a, I have a small sector of weed stocks that I like to play based on news or sector running or whatever. Yeah, so that's a good one. I'm super familiar. It, oh, it's called, it's GRWG is Grow Generation. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Um, I mean, I, I, I haven't done too much in research on that but yeah other stuff is good i mean if you're just that's why people like kern a lot because it's they're not growing you know just the cannabis so i i don't know i mean i i imagine it's probably good um people who have depression it's probably better that they take mushrooms or acid well not acid right i don't i don't think acid is good i don't know that's not my wheelhouse maybe mushrooms are Ketamine was interesting too. I mean, uh, oh, there was a seal. huge ketamine PR today. Did you see that? Are you talking about Seal? I didn't see their news if they had news. Seal S E E L. Yeah, I've heard of this stock. I don't, I don't know. I can't tell you. Like, I just saw it pop up. Like, there was a big ketamine PR today. Who knows? Yeah, trying to um, do fundamental research on any type of biotech is much more difficult. You have to, it's not just about knowing how businesses work. You have to have some insight into the drugs and the competitors for the drugs. So it's not, it's not simple. I mean, competitors, if people do um, valuations based on other companies, so that's a thing. I mean, CMPS is a mushroom biotech, which uh, IPO'd last year, which has been uh, going up a lot. I'm not sure actually where it is right now, but that's like Peter Thiel backed. I mean, there's probably something there. It seems like it. I, I don't know for sure. I've never, I've done mushrooms, but I wasn't clinically depressed, so I don't have that experience. But I mean, it sounds like a good idea. Who knows? Who knows? I have no idea. It seems to me, as far as investing goes, that like mushrooms are what weed was seven years ago. So maybe it's a good long-term investment. I don't know. I don't know as far as day trading. I don't know. But it is something that someone could invest in if they were interested. I, I came across a headline this morning. Actually, I think it was under the ticker DB. I'll, I'll have to look again. But um, it said the headline was something like German billionaire recommends magic mushrooms. Uh, that's he, he attributes magic mushrooms to the reason that he's a billionaire and that's how he I, I don't know it motivated him somehow so seems like funny. an interesting way to become a billionaire I think there's a lot of that recently like microdosing 
to like enhance business. I wouldn't enhance my business. <laughs> that feels like it's almost like playing along the lines of the Limitless movie we were talking about before. Like it's it's not. I don't know. It seems like a fine line with the microdosing. It's supposed to open your mind, but I feel like at the end of the day, you're, if you're doing acid, you're doing acid. But Kate, what do I know? way to bring us full circle. Thank you so much. That was a lovely transition. Of had to had to call back Limitless. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, we are just about at the end of our time. Justin, is there anything that you would like to say or promote to end us up here? No, no, nothing. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's fun. And uh, I'm also stuck in quarantine here. So my wife is uh, tired of hearing me talk about the dead and fish <laughs> and all that. So it's nice to talk to you guys. Well, we have absolutely loved it. And if you want to find me, or Justin throughout the day, you can come to Mullins Trading Academy where we're both hanging out. So come join us. It's fun. And, you know, if you don't know about the dead or fish, give it a listen. Kate, Jimmy, do you have anything to say to wrap us up here? No, Justin, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, Justin, it's great to meet you. Thanks for coming on with us. And anytime you need an outlet for fish or trading or the dead, you let us know. We'll save your wife. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. And let me know if you have any questions about anything. For sure. Will you tell everyone your Discord name? Oh, yeah. Um, J underscore R-O-C. Cool. J Rock. So feel free to reach out to him if you want to continue any of these conversations. Hi, guys. One more thing before you go. We have some very special acknowledgments. First, I want to thank Joel who is our producer and makes sure that we sound so good every episode and has really put in so much time to make this all sound professional and good for your ears. So thank you, Joel. I also want to thank my friend Chesley, who wrote this banjo music for us that we use in all our transitions. It's Chesley Lowe. I met him through Whiskey Gentry, which is a wonderful band. He's my favorite banjo player, and I'm just so thankful that he did this for us. I hope you enjoy the music. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the Penny Lane podcast makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional or financial advice. Unless specifically stated otherwise, the Penny Lane podcast does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. And information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions, standards, or policies of the Penny Lane podcast. The Penny Lane podcast assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third-party materials or on third-party sites referenced in this podcast or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and or links referenced herein.